Hello, and welcome to the Moving Stevens Point Forward podcast, a podcast focused on the community of Stevens Point in central Wisconsin. Your host, John Yeager, will discuss the amenities, community events, businesses, and groups that make central Wisconsin unique. Thanks for listening, and be sure to spread the word about our podcast. And now, on to today's show. Hello, and welcome to the podcast. This is John with Point Forward Physical Therapy, and today I have one of our therapists, Kendra Chickie, with me, and we are going to talk about kind of a delicate, sensitive topic, which is incontinence. So welcome, Kendra. Hi, John. How Hello. You doing? Good. So tell me, let's start out with how you got into the field of incontinence in physical therapy. So there was, when I finished graduate school, there was actually a free course that was offered. They had some openings. So a few of us graduating students who thought we might have some interest in women's health or pelvic health, as I'd rather call it, um, were able to go and take that class. Um, I was actually expecting my first child at that time, but we just kind of audited the class and started to gather some information. Definitely not an area that I ever anticipated getting myself into. But as I started to have my own children, I realized that women's health and pelvic health entailed a lot more than just incontinence or just pelvic pain. And so I took that course. And after I had my own children, I started treating women with um, pregnancy and postpartum low back and pelvic pain. And that one thing kind of led to the other. And we started dealing with bladder health and um, urinary incontinence and fecal incontinence and pelvic pain in both males and females. So it just kind of expanded from there. And how prevalent is it? It's This isn't something that's isolated. It's not. So we tend to think that urinary incontinence is something that just older women have to deal with. And really, there's over 25 million Americans who deal with incontinence. Um, it can include older women, like we might consider those postmenopausal type women or women who have had lots of children. Um, but we're finding that it's also including men, um, oftentimes after prostatectomy. Um, it's often including women who are in their 30s. And most recently in the last few decades, it's also been... Um, including younger women who are doing a lot of exercising, a lot of lifting, a lot of core training without really ever addressing their pelvic floor muscles to balance everything out. So there are young athletic females who are having some incontinence issues that really are embarrassed and afraid to talk about it because they don't fall into that postpartum or older woman kind of category where they feel like it's normal. So it spans the lifespan. It does span the lifespan. Okay. Yes. Mm -hmm. And it's not isolated. Like you said, you mentioned the prostatectomy. It's a big yep. word. <laughs> it is a big word. <laughs> I got it out all in one shot too. Um, that has, we see that quite a bit, correct? Like there are quite a few people or older males that have, have gone through that. Yes. They're in, you know, surgical techniques are improving. So it used to be once you had a prostatectomy, you know, you may have a very high prevalence of incontinence that just may never get better. But surgical techniques have improved to such that um, not all men are left with complete incontinence. And a lot of times they can get that continence back and physical therapy can obviously help. And then what kinds of techniques are you doing? So there are various techniques that you'll find that pelvic floor therapists use. Some will use just electrodes to figure out how those muscles in the pelvic floor are working. Um, what I'm actually doing is a direct technique where first we check the tone of your pelvic floor muscles, because if a muscle is stuck in spasm and it can't relax, then it can't contract. And so if you're unable to take a muscle through its full range of motion, then 
you're unable to use it to control what's happening in that pelvic floor area. So the first thing we do is we check pelvic floor tone. If there are some tone issues where you've got a muscle spasm, a trigger point, a tight muscle, we find a way to loosen that up first so that you can have function. Then we test the muscle and we test for strength, which is like a manual muscle test like I would do on your shoulder muscles or your knee muscles if you were coming in for an orthopedic issue. Then we also take that a little bit further and we check those muscles for coordination. So how well can you turn those muscles on and shut them off voluntarily? And we check for endurance of those muscles. So how long can you hold that muscle contraction for? Because if you get an urge to go to the bathroom and you have to walk across your office building, you need to have some good endurance to be able to get there. It's not just a quick little flick like a lot of times we're told to just do some quick squeezes in the grocery store, you know, that blanket Kegel exercise. So we take a look at all three of those things and then we um, give you an exercise program that's appropriate for that and we monitor it. Um, We also make sure that you're taking those muscles and you're using them in the right fashion. So sometimes when people think that they're contracting the muscle appropriately, they're actually bearing down. And that's why Kegels, you know, given to them by their doctor or something that they heard someplace, oh, I should be doing my Kegels, haven't worked for them. They feel like they're contracting the muscle appropriately, but they're really not. So we make sure that all of that is working well. And then we'll also look at um, habits. So how frequently are you using the bathroom or emptying your bladder? And how strong of an urge do you have? And what are your hydration habits? And we'll look at all of those things. And sometimes it's a behavioral modification. And so we'll address those too and give you tips and tricks for that and kind of on a, in a guided program, increase the duration between voids. That's really interesting because a lot of what we do, even in orthopedics, is trying to teach people to use their muscles appropriately, turn them on, turn them off. And I'd never, I'd never thought about it where... Like with a kegel, 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 kegel. I I prefer to call it a pelvic floor contraction, but yes, okay, a kegel. A pelvic. Yep. <laughs> so I never had put together that. You know, we work all the time, for example, with runners and their glutes, trying to get them to use their glute appropriately through their stride. I'd never thought about the pelvic floor being very similar in that you thought you were using it correctly and you actually weren't. There's a lot of correlation and that's kind of, it's a more delicate area and some people are really hesitant to seek treatment because of that. Um, It's a little bit more of an invasive technique, but it's just another muscle. So as physical therapists, we're treating skeletal, we're treating the skeletal system and we're treating muscles and it's the same thing. It's just in a more delicate area. So how effective are the techniques that you do? So the effectiveness greatly varies based on why you're here. You know, if there were nerve damage or some neural involvement, um, sometimes you'll see a spastic bladder with somebody who might have multiple sclerosis or something like that. Or if there were some nerve damage from a prostatectomy, there may be more limited effectiveness. In those cases, we're really trying to decrease the number of maybe incontinence devices that you're having to use throughout the day or... Um, allowing you to go long enough that you're able to participate in social activities. But otherwise, if it's somebody who's coming in without some sort of neural damage, there's a fairly high effectiveness if people stick to their, their program and follow through with therapy and work on the techniques that they're given at home. So, And, I mean, I know everybody, well, at least not everybody, but lots of people would just like to take a pill. 
Yes. To make this all go away. Mm -hmm. Is that realistic? So there's often a multifaceted approach. Just taking the pill often has a lot of side effects. There are medications that will, for overactive bladder or urging continence, that will decrease the contract, the frequency of the, the strength of the contraction of the bladder. Um, what that can do is it has some side effects of like dry mouth, those kinds of things. So you're always pitching one against the other. Sometimes they're effective. Sometimes they're not. Everybody does tend to be a little bit different. Things that your doctor might also look at is some of your hormone levels, especially in like a postmenopausal woman. They might look at your estrogen levels and things like that and give you some various treatments or creams to help help with that as well. But like anything else, you tend to do better when you're addressing all of those areas. So what would be an indication that you should seek out therapy or, or talk to someone like you? So... You know, if you're having, um, so there's two basic kinds of incontinence. You've got your stress incontinence, right? If you laugh, if you sneeze, if you jump, you know, you're having some leakage. That's often a strength issue. Or again, if your muscles have tight tone um, and can't go through contract relax. So if that's progressively getting worse and it's not just like an occasional, like I'm really tired or um, maybe... Um, I had a lot of water to drink or I just went to the trampoline park with my kids and I haven't done that in a really, really long time. If it becomes a more regular thing, I would seek treatment. It's not necessarily just a normal thing that has to happen to everybody. Um, and urge incontinence is the other main kind of incontinence. And that's where you start to have increased frequency of these strong urges. And a lot of times you go to the bathroom and you felt like your bladder was going to explode and you sit down. And you go just a little bit and you're like, wait a minute, I know my bladder was full. And so if that's starting to happen and it's starting to cause you to interrupt your normal flow of the day, um, you're having to either stop something that you're doing at work or with your kids, or every time you walk into the grocery store or any store, you are hyper aware of where that bathroom is because who knows when you're going to have to make a quick exit. Um, frequent stops during road trips, waking up in the middle of the night more than one time, um, is another indication that treatment would be a good thing. Um, or if you're having leakage. Um, if you're having leakage and you don't have some known pelvic floor neurological dysfunction or say during childbirth you had some trauma um, and you've not addressed that with a physician, it's a good thing to reach out about. You know, a lot of us women think that incontinence is just a normal part of aging or a normal part of life. And though it's common, it's not normal and there often is help for that. So are there activities that you should, well, let's go down the, what should you do to like for pelvic floor health? I mean, we talked about the Kegels, but mm -hmm. maybe that you're not doing those right. Are there, is there anything out there that just as a preventative measure people ought to be doing? So a lot of people, when they start to have increased urinary frequency where they're going to the bathroom more frequently, they tend to want to pull back on how much they're drinking. And so if you're drinking less water, you, it makes sense, right? You drink less water, you should be going to the bathroom less. But what people are finding is that they do that and it doesn't change their frequency. Sometimes those urges are stronger. And what's happening is your urine is actually becoming more concentrated. And so that lining of the bladder is very sensitive. And if your urine's becoming more concentrated, it's actually wanting to contract more to get rid of that concentrated urine, right? It's saying, get, get me, get out, um, so people will go more frequently, but with less volume. 
And so it's not, it's sometimes counterproductive to decrease hydration. So stay well hydrated. You might not think of that otherwise. Um, Staying physically active in general is always a good thing. And then be aware of dietary triggers. So caffeine is a big one that tends to cause bladder contractions. So there's always a debate on whether caffeine dehydrates you or not, right? And it's not so much that caffeine is going to dehydrate you, but it is a bladder stimulant. And so it will cause that bladder to contract, which will cause you to void more. And it kind of just perpetuates that problem. So chocolates, um, some people acidic foods, but everybody's sensitivities are a little bit different. So tell me, like, incontinence is not just incontinence. There's there's different kinds. There is. So, so we go ahead. Let me let me hear what you've got. So we kind of touched on that stress incontinence, the mm-hmm. laughing, the sneezing, um, the jumping. Your muscles either can't contract appropriately, aren't strong enough, or just don't know how to contract well to overcome the intra-abdominal pressure that's happening. So when you laugh, your abdominal muscles contract. Um, when you jump, you've got gravity acting down on you. When you sneeze, same thing. You know, you're kind of closing off your epiglottis up at top, and you're putting all that abdominal pressure in, and it pushes straight down then on the bottom of the container. And so that becomes often a strength issue or a coordination issue. And that's where we talked about some of the athletes that we were seeing where they're doing all of this heavy lifting, and especially if they're not breathing appropriately and they're not bracing their pelvic floor muscles first, they've got all this pressure coming from the top, pushing down on that pelvic floor, and that's where it's going to go. That pressure has to go someplace. Um, And then the other kind is that urgency. And that will, sometimes hormones can play a part into that. Um, But then also it becomes a habitual thing. So they've got the the JIC, the J-I-C, the just in case. And we start this from a young age, right? So okay, we're going to go on a long car ride, kids. I don't care if you have to go to the bathroom. You go just in case, right? And we get so used to doing this just in case voiding that our bladder starts to want to void on habit. And so every time before we leave, our bladder tells us it needs to empty, whether it's full or not. And every time we get to the grocery store, we know halfway through we're going to have to go to the bathroom. So we're just going to go before we start shopping just in case. Every time we get home from the grocery store, We know that the first thing we have to do is go to the bathroom. So we go just in case so that then we can get on with our day. Well, what happens is your bladder starts anticipating that. And then for me, example, when my kids were little, I'd go to the bathroom before I left work. I'd pick them up from daycare and I'd go as soon as I went home, even though it was just 15 minutes later, because I know I would have to make dinner, bathe, read bedtime stories, do homework, whatever. And so I was going just in case. Well, then I would start to get an urge when I was at the end of the driveway. Then I would start to get an urge when I was a mile away from home. Like the storage units a mile away from home were always the trigger. And it became a habitual emptying and my bladder wasn't full. And so the just in case urinating can do that to you. And that's where some of that urgency will come from. So those are kind of the two main kinds. So... Let's talk about just bladder health. Mm-hmm. And now we're in a big cranberry area. Yes. We have to go to that. True or false, cranberries are good for bladder health from your, from your knowledge. And we're going to apologize to any growers out there in case we go down the wrong road here. I haven't. People, I, I will usually tell patients when they come in, if they're trying that, I'll usually ask them, and has that helped for you? Mm-hmm. It's really an individual kind of thing. Um, I don't know. I haven't really looked at the research to see if it's consistently making those sure. changes or not. But, um, you know, I think anything that you can do for general health is is good for bladder health. So, 
So let's talk about uh, your patients when you have them in treatment. Like, yeah. what kinds of things do we main do to maintain their privacy? So here, you know, at Point Forward Physical Therapy, here we've got this great gym area, right? And you'll see some open treatment tables. We don't treat our pelvic health patients there. <laughs> um, it's kind of a more private thing than that. So we do have private treatment rooms, and we coordinate between the therapists so that we always make sure that our pelvic health patients are seen in a private treatment room. Um, there's a door on that on that room so that we're able to maintain all privacy. And then like every patient that we see, you know, we take care to maintain patient privacy, you know, what you're here for, those kinds of things. So it's all of those general medical privacy steps that we take, and then we make sure that we're also in a private treatment room. Awesome. Yeah. So... Anything else before we, we wrap this up, Kendra? I think that's that's about it. Like I said, it wasn't something that I ever thought that I would, when I was in college, I didn't think it was a area that I was going to treat, but there's just not a whole lot of great treatment options in the area. And yeah. so to be able to help somebody who thought that they would have to suffer with this forever is very rewarding. Well, and it's a huge quality of life issue for so many people. It is. And, you know, in preparing some of the, like looking at some of the numbers, you look at, like just incontinence devices in general. So if you're having to use some sort of a pad or a brief or something like that is as awesome if they, as they've made them compared to 25 years ago so that they're discreet and everything, they're talking about over $65 billion a year are spent on incontinence devices. And so that's a huge impact in quality of life, like you said, trying to either cover that up or whether you can go out, you know, be social, play with your kids, grandkids, whatever it sure. might be. Yeah, sure. it's huge. Great. So uh, obviously you're here at Point Forward. I am. <laughs> <laughs> so if you'd like to schedule an appointment with Kendra, you can just give us a call. Our number is 715-254-3978. And you're taking new patients. So Absolutely. you're available to, to help people out. Yes. All right. Well, thanks so much, Kendra. I appreciate your time. Absolutely. Thanks, John. Today's show is brought to you by Point Forward Physical Therapy. Please share our podcast with your friends. If you'd like to schedule a time to meet with a physical therapist for a free injury screening, call us at 715-254-3978.